Pirates know something that, you know, the people up here don't. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com, joined by my co-host, Dalvin Asario. Dalvin, how you doing today? Doing good, Joe. Doing good. Happy Wednesday, or by the time they hear it. Well, yeah, it'll probably be later on Wednesday. Yeah, doing good. Uh, season's barreling along. You know, all things considered, everything is well. So happy to be back after Scott pinch hit for me the last two weeks. <laughs> Yes, we had uh, we've had Scott coming in off the bench, and he's done a nice job filling in. Got you back in the uh, hot seat this week. Obviously, we're going to talk about the New York Jets' loss to the Miami Dolphins in fairly excruciating fashion, and we've seen some excruciating ones over the years. Uh, we will preview their upcoming game against Atlanta. Also, talk a little bit about where this team is at, sort of big picture overall, uh, and what their strategy or game planning could look like over the back half of the season pending a win or a loss this weekend before we dive into it want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by prime sport official team partner and sponsor of the new york jets make sure to check out primesport.com backslash turn the jets for more information on home and away game fan packages including a pregame tailgate at the pepsi gate this week uh, that will start at 11:30 and run right up and through until kickoff again that's primesport.com backslash turn on the jets give them a follow on facebook and twitter as well on primesport and uh, make sure to check them out longtime friend of the pod all right so jets Go into Miami, uh, a team they had beat fairly handily early in the year. Miami coming off two straight wins, still playing Jay Cutler, a quarterback. Jets get the ball. They go right down the field and score. Miami comes back, goes right down the field and score. Uh, But basically, the Jets grab control of this game through the first three quarters and are up 28-14, heading really a couple minutes into the fourth quarter. Uh, They were able to generate some points off uh, Jamal Adams' deflection that led to a Muhammad Wilkerson interception where they got a short touchdown. Josh McCown threw three touchdowns, one to Robbie Anderson, one to Jermaine Kirst, one to Austin Safarian Jenkins after scrambling around. And really, the Jets were just beating up on Miami. It even felt like they were up by more than 14. So what happens? We get into the fourth quarter, where this team has struggled all year. They've only scored 17 fourth quarter points all year, and seven of them were in garbage time against Oakland. Uh, Defensively, uh, we've seen them struggle a bit when the game gets a little tighter in the second half. So, Miami goes down the field, really on the back of attacking Buster Screen, almost exclusively, uh, get a big touchdown down the field to Kenny Stills. Jets offense basically repeated three and out sacks. Uh, mistakes. Miami is able to again go back down the field on a big connection down on Daryl Roberts. You get a couple more penalties on screen. Another touchdown just like that is 28-28. The Jets do get the ball back in the final minute with a chance to go kick the game going ahead field goal. Uh, McCown's first pass of the drive instead of throwing into two open receivers over the middle. Tries to force it against underneath coverage. Picked off Miami wins. McCown continues his struggles in the fourth quarter. Uh, Really, your your two main culprits in this one, McCown, Buster Screen, who struggled a lot on defense. And, you know, the coaching staff, we did such a good job through the first three quarters, uh, not adjusting to how Miami was going after Screen and not really having any options to, uh, you know, swap in for him either. Uh, Looking at their depth chart and looking at their roster at, uh, at cornerback right now. So, a loss that, you know, kind of reminds me of last year and the loss in Miami and, do, and that I think it could be 
the loss that kind of sets the trajectory for the rest of the Jets season. If you remember last year, they started one and five. They had gotten back to three and five and really should have won it one in Miami to get to four and five before having a really winnable home game against the Rams. So maybe, Hey, you're five and five. They're back in business. They lose to Miami on a late kick return this year at three and three, really close to the top of the division in the AFC East hanging around in a conference filled with parity. They blow this game. They're now three and four, uh, two and a half games behind New England, a game and a half behind Miami and Buffalo, already one and three in the AFC East. And despite being three and four, there's only six teams in the NFL with a worse record than the Jets right now. And going forward, they have the hardest schedule in the NFL, starting with getting the Atlanta Falcons at home this week. And look, I think the Jets have competed well every week. They've been competitive in every game outside of week two. Uh, they are probably still overachieving for their talent. But I think we could be heading towards a stretch right now where reality kind of sets in about where this team is headed. I do not or never have thought this team was going to be competing for a playoff spot or going to be competing to stay over 500. And if the Jets are not cautious, this could be the loss that could kind of kick them in that direction as they're going to get an Atlanta team who's now lost three games in a row. Obviously is desperate, just like the Jets teams. this Jets team should be. But Atlanta still does not have a shortage of talent, and it's going to be a tough game for the Jets. They're four-point underdogs. Uh, before we dive too much into that matchup, Dalvin, what, what were your thoughts watching the Jets-Dolphins game? What were your biggest takeaways? I mean, you nailed it, right? Like Miami, I mean, we were talking about this before we came on. Miami, to me, is not a very good team. Miami is a team very similar to the 2015 team jets and that they caught a lot of teams off guard last year uh leaned on the run game trusted their quarterback to not make mistakes and leaned on a defense that maybe wasn't as good as you know people thought it was but was opportunistic and then it blew up in their face right and so then in turn they've kind of crashed back to earth a little bit i know that they beat atlanta i know that they you know were coming in you know winning through straight in spite of jay cutler um but i do think that miami was not a very good team and i do believe that had jay cutler not gotten hurt the jets win that game running away it did feel like they took their foot off the gas so to speak when jay cutler went out it also was pretty telling i mean for me I, I think Matt Moore is a better quarterback than Jay Cutler at this point in their careers. And I mean, the offense just looked very different because Matt Moore actually looked competent. Um, I think that the Jets were victimized, obviously, by Buster Screen primarily. And this is this this comes back to McCagnan as well, who traded Dexter McDougal, who was having a pretty good training camp for a third safety, you know, from the Eagles. And while, yes, that safety did, you know, win defensive player of the week and all that, the Jets did not need another safety because you had Rontez Miles there. You also could have, you know, you also could have gotten another safety without giving up your depth at cornerback, especially considering that the Jets took two late flyers on two cornerbacks in Derek Jones and Jeremy Clark, who one is incredibly raw and the other one was coming off a complete ACL tear, right? So you, you, in turn, you, you, you try to stash those two, but they're still kind of on your, they're still on your active roster. So in turn, you have Morris Claiborne, who's been exceptional. You have Buster Screen. You have Justin Burris, who's been border, who's been borderline unplayable, and then you have Daryl Roberts, who's probably your second best corner. But you you need more help in the slot because that's where Jarvis Landry was eating, and Buster Screen is probably better suited for the slot anyway. Roberts then has to go on the outside. You're not going to put Screen on the outside against Devontae Parker because or Kenny Stills because they're going to blow right by them. And so I think the Jets. I think this this loss for me. I think you're right. I think the coaching staff has done a really good job this year. But this loss for me falls back strictly on McCagnan and his inability to to hand Bowles a full deck because had he handed Bowles a, Bowles a full deck of actual corner 
cornerbacks that he could play, then realistically he could bench screen. But then the, even the one cornerback that you give him in Xavier Coleman gets hurt, and now you have no depth, so you couldn't sit screen at all. And so, I mean, I think, I think McCagnan, and again, I think Bowles has done a really, really good job this year of coaching around the limitations of this roster, right? You don't have a true edge rusher. I mean, Coney Ely has been, you know, fantastic, but I thought Laramie Tunsil did a really good job on him the, uh, this week. So he, uh, you don't have a really true edge. You don't have a true edge rusher involved, and you haven't gotten anything from. Jenkins is probably your best edge pass rusher. Uh, Donahue gets hurt, so you don't get anything from him. Darren Lee's probably actually your best pass, edge pass rusher, but it's to Bowles to use him because McCagney drafted him as an inside linebacker. Um, yeah, I mean, it just it just feels like a loss that shouldn't have been a loss. But realistically, I'm kind of glad that they that they lost. And and I'll say this not because I'm pro tank or anything, but I also think that a lot of Jet fans were sitting here very misled by what this team's ceiling was. Like they beat a bad Cleveland team, an inconsistent Jacksonville team, and a bad Miami team, and people were already talking playoffs. And I get that that's you know what you do and whatever. I mean, I don't care how you root for the team that's. It's fine. But realistically, this isn't a very good team. And yeah, they beat up on other bad teams, but they're not a very good team. And it's a team that needs as many high round picks as possible because the rebuild is nowhere close to being done. Yeah, and I think we're going to see that come to fruition in some future weeks. Right. I think, right. you know, you beat Cleveland, who's abysmal. Uh, you beat Jacksonville in overtime, coming off London in sort of a funky game, and then you, obviously you caught Miami at the right time of the season, but then lost to them the second time you played them. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Jets handle their personnel here. If you beat Atlanta, you're 4-4. Four and four. It would be a great, surprising win for the team, and I, I completely understand not really tweaking things around in regards to what veterans are playing where and when you lose this game, you're three and five, you've lost three in a row. You got to realistically look at the rest of your schedule and say, what, what are we accomplishing with McCown, Forte, Curse, and Curley? Are those guys long-term components of a team that's going to be really competitive? Uh, or do we need to see more Hanson and Stewart and McGuire and, do we need? Do we recognize that we need as many draft picks as possible next year? We have nine right now. Could we find a receiver desperate team who would take Cursor Curly? You're not going to be able to move both of them, but can you move one of them and maybe get a mid-round pick back? Um, can you look at even, and I listen, I love him more than anybody, but would a running back desperate team give out a mid-round pick for Powell? Because right now he's one of three backs in a timeshare. And you're going to want to see more McGuire down the stretch anyway. And you're probably going to be looking to add younger pieces of running back next offseason, either in free agency or the draft. All things that are worth considering. Trades are not that common in the NFL, but the Jets are going to need to realistically self-scout their team. And look, McCown has put up very box score friendly numbers and he's played pretty well comparatively to Josh McCown and what you expect out of him. But if you look at his splits between the first half and the second half, uh, they're truly abysmal, particularly in the fourth quarter. Yes, he has a good completion percentage, but a lot of that is boosted by throwing three-yard passes on third and 14. And, you know, if your quarterback can't make plays in a tight game and can't make plays in the second half or the fourth quarter, uh, there's just a ceiling to what your offense can be. And there's a ceiling to, you know, what Josh McCown is. He's a 38-year-old. He's not going to change or evolve at this point of his career. And Jet fans just need to expect more out of the quarterback position and recognize how seriously the Jets still need to upgrade this position going forward. Um, you know, looking at how they match up with Atlanta, uh, you know, a tough team. Atlanta has struggled offensively with Steve Sarkeesian taking over their calls. They still have Julio Jones. They still have Devontae Freeman. They still have Tevin Coleman and Matt Ryan. It's going to be a very good test uh, 
for this Jets unit, really from top to bottom, uh, because Atlanta could move the ball on you in a lot of different ways. And I'm sure Atlanta is going to watch how Miami attacked the Jets. And the way to attack the Jets is pretty simple. You attack Buster Screen when you're throwing through the air. Uh, you have a, many quick releases and blitz beater uh, short route combinations because Bowles is going to blitz the defensive backs frequently because a defensive line can't generate a pass rush. And offensively, you know what? You're, you should be dropping people into coverage and forcing McCown to make decisions. He's going to scramble around behind the line of scrimmage, and you got to hope he makes mental mistakes. And I think Atlanta will take that kind of approach. And it's going to be a very good test for a young Jets team coming off really two very tough losses where you blew a 14-point lead two weeks in a row. So can they go out and compete again, steal an upset, or lose a tight game, or is the game coming where they finally you know, sort of get rolled by a team with superior talent? Uh, you know, I think the main matchups to watch is, you know, can the Jets find a way to take away Julio Jones, who you know Atlanta's going to try to manufacture touches for? It's been an ongoing problem for them, and it just seems like something they they got to start focusing on. And then offensively, can they avoid making big mistakes? And, you know, can they continue to create these sort of big plays in the passing game where guys like Curse right. and Anderson are getting open down the field? Uh, even though Atlanta's offense has struggled lately, you feel like the dam has to break eventually, and the Jets are going to have to get into the 20s if they want to win this game. I mean, how do you see this game sort of playing out? What type of flow do you see, uh, you know, coming out of it? Well, actually, I mean, that's a really good point, right? Like, eventually, you have to trust that Atlanta's going to figure it out, right? Like, you're talking about this is the 16th-ranked offense in scoring, but but the 15th-ranked defense. So they are absolutely average. But they are seventh in passing yards, which means that Matt Ryan is still being able to, you know, move the the ball through the air with Julio Jones. However, this is a team that you're looking at now. It's been six straight games that they've thrown for under 300 yards. They've only thrown for 300 yards one time, and that was against a very bad Chicago Bears team, no matter what the record shows. Um, and they, But what they have been doing more of over the last five weeks is they've been able to run the ball. They've gone over 100 the last five straight games, including a, a high of 151 against Detroit. So offensively, Atlanta's going to be able to move the ball, whether that's through the air or on the ground. I mean, I think that's what they're going to be able to do. Matt Ryan's still completing almost 70% of his passes. He has turned the ball over more this year than he, than he did last year, and that's something that we have to kind of pay attention to because that means that there will be opportunities for the Jets' defense to, to get some turnovers, right? And does that mean Marcus May? Does that mean Jamal Adams? Does that mean Morris Claiborne? You're going to put Morris Claiborne on Julio Jones, I would hope, because, I mean, the thing is also is that the Jets do not deploy Morris Claiborne similar to how they deployed Darrell Revis or really any – well, yeah, Darrell Revis in, in, in the sense that – Last week, when when you know when you saw Jarvis Landry kind of cutting up Buster Screen, the what you would have done in years past is you just put Revis on him, right? Even if it's in the slot, you just put Revis on him. I think the Jets need to treat Morris Claiborne as such because Morris Claiborne has been that good. I think PFF had him ranked as like the the seventh best cornerback in football this year. He's only allowing I think like a sixty-seven point one QBR when you're throwing at him. He's not been beat like that. So if you put you just put Claiborne on Julio and hope that. Nobody else beats you. You cannot let anybody else beat you. You put Adams over the top, right? So that way, at the very least, you, you devote that kind of attention because Julio Jones can beat you by himself. With the Jets in particular, you're right. They they can't get pressure, you know, from the they can't get pressure from the edge, which is where you know Atlanta's kind of struggled, you know, because you've kind of seen their their tackles beat. They don't get beat up the middle, right? It just doesn't happen because Alex Mack is that good as a center. It's going to be very, very 
I don't know where the Jets get pressure from. And this is kind of one of those games where, yeah, sure, they're at home. And Matt Ryan does play a little different in, in you know, in outdoors and outside of the dome. But this is a game that could get ugly really quickly. And the Jets have avoided ugly losses. Even the loss to Oakland wasn't an ugly loss. They were competitive for the first half. And this has a chance to get ugly because Atlanta – Atlanta's not that Atlanta's not as bad as they've shown. And Atlanta does have playmakers on both sides of the ball. And they have Julio Jones and Devontae Freeman and Matt Ryan and a solid offensive line. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Jets do. But this has to be a game where the Jets, they have to put up points because Josh McCown, this is and Josh McCown has to not be afraid to take shots at Desmond Trufant at the corners that Atlanta has up the middle because their safeties aren't that good in coverage. You have to be able to take those shots with Austin Safari and Jenkins also use them a little differently. The Jets only use them in out routes, and it's the weirdest thing. Like I would take some vertical shots with them because he does have the athleticism to get down the field. Okay, I want to remind you guys this podcast is also brought to you yeah. by mybookie.ag. Make sure to check them out and use promo code TOJ for up to a 100% cash bonus deposit back for the first time uh, you get in there and put some wagers down on week eight of the NFL season, on college football, or anything else that you are interested in betting on. Again, it's mybookie.ag. You play, you bet, you win. Use promo code TOJ for up to a 100% cash bonus deposit back on your initial deposit one more time mybookie.ag follow them on social at bet my bookie all right Dalbin. so three and four right now uh if the mm-hmm. draft were to be today the jets would be picking 10th um you know they're still on the outskirts i guess you would say of the playoff picture in the afc although really so many teams have three or four wins it, it's just such a jumbled you know mess right now so it's going to be interesting to see how these next three games go, and obviously they're going to you know, either finish what we've begun to see happening with New England and the Miami game, or they're going to show that this team is better than we expected, and they're going to hover around 500. Mm-hmm. These next two games, you know, you get Atlanta at home, uh, followed by the Jets getting the short week and getting Buffalo at home on their only primetime game of the year. How can they? Yeah, how can they handle these games? Buffalo has been better than expected. They're four and two. Uh, they beat the Jets pretty handily week one, even though it was only a nine-point game. They really controlled that game, and I just wonder if you know we're going to be looking back and say, "God, at three thirty uh, on this past previous Sunday, the Jets were up twenty-eight fourteen and seemed to be just about four and three, and here we are twelve days later, and they're three and six uh, with only one game before." Uh, their bye week. So can this coaching staff and can this team prevent that type of fall where it's you lose to Miami, you lose to Atlanta, and then you have the quick turnaround for Buffalo and it's bang, 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 and all of a sudden you go from what looks like 4-3 and three to 3-6. Three and six. And really I think that's probably where more people expected the Jets to be before the season. If I had to guess now, and you know, you, you feel free to you tell me what your predictions are. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess now, I would I would say the Jets will be four and six at the bye and five and eleven at the end of the season. Exactly what I picked before the year: three and three to four and six to five and eleven. I mean, where where do you see that final record heading at this point? Yeah, I mean, you, well, so here's the thing. I think I think you're right, right, in the sense that most people predicted that this would be their record. I just think what what throws people off is the way that they get here, right? So like. For example, they 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 go to three and two with a chance to beat New England, and they have the, t- the touchdown overturn. So now they're three and three, and people are still kind of feeling good about it. And Bowles is able to turn the page on that, and then they go up two touchdowns against Miami. So now you're you know a quarter away from going 
four and three and bouncing back. And then still, like, again, at four and three, still having a, a matchup against Atlanta where you could potentially steal one, right? Because you're at home and you're coming off a big win. So maybe you go to five and three. And then maybe you go to six and three. So I was hoping that's kind of how you get away from it. I think the Buffalo game has always loomed large for multiple reasons. One, it was your first prime. It was your one and only primetime game. Two, you were going to get a Bills team where you kind of didn't know what you were going to get, but you kind of figured that offensively they 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 have you know they have Tyrod Taylor who doesn't turn the ball over, takes care of the ball. They don't have many playmakers, but they do have Shady McCoy who's giving you fits and Jordan Matthews cooked Buster Screen week one, which I guess we should have seen what was coming then. Um, I think. I think they'll be four and five after the after you know through the nine games like so they'll be four and five. I think I think they steal one from either Buffalo or Atlanta. I'm just not sure which one to be honest because I do think again like I said that the Sunday game could get really ugly. Um, but I do think that Bowles has done a really good job of getting his team up on short weeks. I think that also the Jets do feel like they they let one get away because even though Tyrod Taylor didn't have a monster game against them, it was Shady McCoy in the run game, right? Like that was the biggest thing. Um, but I think they'll be four and five, but I think you're still looking at a six and ten team. I mean, maybe an outside shot at seven and nine, but realistically the schedule's about to tighten up. They play Kansas City, you know, who's probably the best team in football right now, right? So they play Kansas City. They still have a they still have that late looming game against against new england i think it's 